guessing you have heard the words blockchain and Web2, but what is Web3? Welcome to a new episode of DevSecOps Talks with me, Matthias, Andre, and Julian. I'm hearing a lot about Web3, and uh, I don't really know what it is. Julian, I need your help here. What oh. is it, and what... What is it about? What can you do with it? Web free. Well, uh, th- there is a lot of buzz around it. I would yeah. say it's a it's a complicated topic because for that you need to we need to understand what's web one and web two <laughs> before okay. talking web three. Um, but basically, web one is the beginning of the internet. The, the content was static, yeah. so so people could only read content. They could not interact with it, or they could not upload anything. Uh, but with the evolution of technology uh, and Web2 came around, there was uh, this interactive uh, feature that was added. So people could actually contribute or add content to the web. And that gave, you know, Facebook was born, like Instagram and all those things. Like they, they, they really, people started to interact, it, to interact with it in a way that was completely different and on a scale that was never done before. And so Web3 come, and from what I understand, is where you, you can own the content that you publish. So that's a difference of between Web1, 2, and 3, is that the evolution is that in Web3, you own the content that you publish, as okay. opposed to uploading to that to a server. That Once you upload your photo to Facebook, basically yeah. Facebook owns your photo. Yeah. Um, and that brings a, it's a very much a, a generational um, you know topic because very few people like that are as old as me uh, you know care about Web three, but yeah. because there is such a, a huge investment from you know all the big in, venture capitals um, firm and everything like into those crypto companies, they mm. desperately need some DevSecOps people. Because it's it's a it's a problem that has you have all the problem of Web two plus a blockchain basically. <laughs> so so the, uh, and that's interesting because I, this is not financial advice or anything. I I'm, I only care about the the techni- technology here. It's more like a, if you're looking for investment, please. I'm sure there is plenty of uh, you know twenty year old recording on YouTube from their phone. Yeah. Happy to do that, uh, but. Here it's more like what's the Web two architecture? You know, you have a front end that talks to a back end, and yeah. the data is stored in the database. Exactly Pro- at at like Facebook server, so they own all this, the images, all the content, and they of course make money over this. This is how. They- um, maybe. I, I like the, your line about you owning the stuff, comparing to Web two, the companies that where you submit the data owning that. Yeah, but I I think that still. Science, all the blockchain seems to be mostly evolving around finances, right? So we might be looking at that from finance industry perspective. So in Web2, you have a front end, then you have a back end, and then you have a payment subsystem somewhere there. You either outsource that, or you host your own PCI DSS compliant stuff, and then you have regulations. And I think the challenge is that there are no regulations in uh, 
blockchain, whatever you call that area of business right now. So everyone thinks like, well, those boring PCI DSS security stuff. Who needs that? We have a blockchain. <laughs> it's immutable. Uh, what could possibly go? We just yeah. So so regarding just do a hipster stuff. Yeah, regarding regulation, we have to differentiate two things here. Like you have the the feature that you cannot modify the data, and there is also the privacy concern. So that, that's two different things. So well, you, most well, of so it, just going back to PCI DSS, why do we have PCI DSS? Please tell us. Because company was just losing and losing people's credit card data. So the so the come the government just stepped up and said, Well, if you're dealing with credit card, you have to do at least this minimum. So the credit card number stays secure and there is less fraud. There is less stolen credit card numbers going around and people running all the, all the type of dark business, you know, mm. pulling the cash out of those cards, sending this cash and so on. So, yeah. so the government are like, well, let's make the web more safer place, right? And right now what you see with the blockchain and all the coins, there is a lot of scam going on there, like pump and dump, what have you. Yeah, that's, that's uh, but going back to the technology, like maybe okay. we can explain a little bit about what's the blockchain and why is it interesting, why people are so crazy about it. And yeah. you can see the blockchain as an app and only database, so you can only add things to it. You cannot modify, you cannot delete anything. Mm. So the, the way it works is, is quite simple. Just imagine you have a transaction. So you have a list of accounts and you send money, you take money from one and you add it to another. Um, the way it works is that all those transactions are gathered by block. A block can be either a number of transactions or time. It has various trade-offs. That's not the point. It's really like you, you gather transactions together. You do a hash on those transactions. So a hash function is mainly a one-way function. So you, you Modulo is not a good example, but it, it, you get the idea. It's like, you know, you, you get the... the the rest of the division of a of an integer number. Yeah, you basically get a st string of something, yeah. of letters and digits, and that's unique to the content of that block. Yeah, if exactly. anything changes, you get a different line. Yeah. Thus, you could, and everyone can verify by taking the block, using the same function, feeding the content of the block to the yeah. function, you will get the hash. And that hash will all be, be the same if the content haven't changed. If content changed, then you get a different hash. That's yeah. the whole idea of hash function. <laughs> I just should uh, explain it as uh, you have a shoe and you make a shoe print, like you, you have mm. it in the gravel and everything. From mm. the print, you, you can detect what kind of shoe made the print, but you cannot make the shoe. But if exactly. you have the shoe, you can make many prints and they will always be the same, right? Exactly. Yeah. And so and that's and another interesting application of this is um, like when companies trying to censor the porn stuff, right? So you're not supposed to be uploading the porn pictures or what have you. And uh, then in order to identify that as a porn picture, you need to compare it with something. And obviously you will not build a database of all porn available on the internet just to prevent people uploading known porn. <laughs> so what people do instead, I mean, the videos, the pictures, yeah. they, they take space. So they take hash of that. Uh, Microsoft has technology, which also accounts for 
slight changes in that picture. So if the picture got cropped, if the picture got like resized, the quality changed. So they have a they have a technology that allows to calculate those hashes, and then you're only dealing with hashes, yeah. not so with I mean, actual it, content. Yeah. So what you're saying, Jonas, this is not a new technology. We're using this hash all the time. Yeah, Most every day. Yeah, every and, day. Yeah, and in the context not, of not blockchain, every day yeah. in the content of the porn, every day in the content of the Git, right? Yeah. Git using hashes to identify commits. Yeah, yeah exactly. And uh, you know, once you have those block of transaction, you you have the hash, and you put the hash in the next block, in a new block, and then yeah. more transaction gets added. You repeat, you do the hash, and you put it into the next block. So you have a a chain of blocks, which is why the blockchain is, has its name. Yeah. And that's very interesting because uh, Andre was mentioning something about uh, Git uh, that was uh, a block, a kind of a blockchain. Yeah, Git is exactly yeah. that. So yeah. you have a commit ID, which is a hash, and then the next commit will contain the list of all previous commits. It might be one, or if it's a merge commit, it will be multiple. And uh, then if the history behind you changes, right, all those hashes in the previous commits will change. So they will not match. So this is how Git checks integrity. Yeah, exactly. And now you might be thinking, mm, that's Satoshi guy. That must be Linus Torvalds. Yes. <laughs> Lin- because Lin- Git, 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 Git is ahead of uh, uh, blockchain idea, right? When, when, when was the first release of Git? Let, let me look it up for you. Well, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but we can, we can. I mean, I understand the blockchain, but now we're saying that we can run applications in the blockchain. Yes. So with that, there's various blockchain, but the most famous one, at least the one that I know about, is Ethereum, yeah. and it allows you to program uh, or to at least process, uh, do more fancy things with those transactions. Okay. So imagine you you send money to a specific address, and that address is the address of what we call a smart contract, which is exactly a program. And the way you program that is through a language called Solidity. So you you define uh, in a little bit of a Java-like language what you want the money to do, and it will automatically do it. And that has tons of application uh, for finance. Uh, especially yeah. so you, you could actually cut out a lot of middlemen. And this is where the, the hype come really is that, first of all, you have the assurance that nobody can tamper with the data because yeah. that blockchain is replicated across many computers. And in order to change one, you would have to hack at least 50% of those. Yeah. So the way they communicate is through what we call a consensus algorithm. So it, it means like, how do we agree what is the correct data in an algorithm? And, and those are very uh, much more advanced. Uh, it, it's very proper to the distributed system, but it, it's a field of computer science research almost. Yeah. Because the, 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 the trade-off that blockchain has is how fast can you make a consensus? You know, yeah. It, yeah. I, it's from the number that I read, um, Bitcoin takes 10 minutes. Yeah, Ethereum is a little bit less. I don't even remember how much. But, uh, you know, if you have to wait 10 minutes for your transaction to be approved, that's a very long time if you're standing in a shop. So that that's, might not be the use case. Yeah. And so th- that's where the hype comes, is that there is a, a whole industry now dedicated to solving those problems. 
and to reduce the, the middleman. Andre oh. has something to say. Yeah, I wanted to say that, like, well, if all of that sounds like nonsense, you're actually dealing with that every day. Mm. Aside of Git, it's not not about Git, but you you have your Kubernetes, and guess what? Inside it, it has a thing called EDCD, yeah. which is a consensus-based system. So it's yeah. a distributed system that's supposed to preserve the data in a distributed manner as using consensus to agree between the nodes what is the valid data in yeah. case of the split brain. Or if you're not using Kubernetes, console is another yeah. example, or Zookeeper. So there are a number of systems out there that are actually solving that. So not much new, really. It's just taking all those concepts that we've been dealing with and bringing them into the fin financial area, whatever you call it. Yeah, the, the, I, I feel like the, the, the building blocks are exactly what we are familiar with, and the way they are assembled is where things get new. You know, it, yeah. it's like a, a, it's not fair to say that nothing new under the sun, because there is some innovation, and it's driving a lot in terms of uh, research and, and also money. So there is a big incentive behind that. But the technology in itself, um, the building blocks, it's still like public. Uh, private public key infrastructure. So it's uh, it, th those are known. You know, if you use SSH, you know how those public key yeah. works. Yeah. If you use, uh, you know, if you use Kubernetes, you probably have, or if you install Kubernetes, you probably have fiddle, had to fiddle with CD and this uh, consensus algorithm called yeah. Raft. Uh, you, you have uh, so so the, those building blocks are were already there. Those are not new, but the, the way it's used is is innovative. I would say. Yeah. yeah, I want to. I want to. I have a statement to make. Please. Wow. To keep building on uh, Linux is a Satoshi and so on. So if Linux is Satoshi or Satoshi is Linux, then Diffin Hellman are uh, Karl Marx <laughs> of the century, if you like. <laughs> yeah. How do you like that? <laughs> the, the history repeats itself. Uh, I, I can see that. But that's very true. It, it's uh, quite interesting to see how those technology gets used. It's like the, the, the technology is not new, but the usage is new. And, and so the, the, the reason why there is more need for DevSecOps people in, in this cryptocurrency is mainly because the blockchain is really hard to query. Like, how do you know the amount available into a, a wallet or an account? Yeah. Well, unless you have the patience to scan the whole blockchain every time, <coughs> sorry, you, you're not going to find like a, such something. It's not very efficient. So what is Web3? What they do is they index the data of the blockchain. So technically, you're not interacting directly with the blockchain. You're interactly interacting with the backend that talks to the database that has the index of the blockchain. Ah, okay. And that oh, is Elasticsearch. Yeah, or some other kind of thing. Sorry. Um, and, and this brings a lot of uh, question because th there is a great, great post about uh, one of the founders of Signal. Yeah. And I, I will link it to the, in the description because it's totally worth a read uh, to understand, you know, what are the challenges there? 
you know, like it's new. It's very new and it has plenty of potential, but how will people use it? That's the question. Yeah, small correction. When, when Julian says link to the description, you will not find in your podcast platform of choice because we're not pushing show notes to the uh, podcast platform since the space there is limited. So you would have to navigate oh. to DevSecOps FM yeah. and you will find it there, not in the description, but in the show notes of DevSecOps FM when this podcast is out. Yeah, that's a small correction. Thank you for correcting me. It's uh, sometimes I forget how because I, I usually listen to it on the on the website. Actually, it's so convenient. Uh-huh. Yeah, it, it's much. Those podcast app are quite tricky sometimes, and I, I don't know why. I, I, I'm sure there is a reason for it, uh, but uh, web is kind of like the easiest way to to consume. Oh, okay. So, what was in that article? Yeah, in the article, um, mainly is the concern that, okay, we, we talk about a blockchain that's fully distributed and lived into, you know, many computers, but who, who is running those computers? Like, if you have to create a, um, a decentralized app or dApps, as they call it, so a Web3 application, yeah, where do you store the, the data? And, and that's a, a, a real concern because... Who is, let's take an example, email. It's a very decentralized application or DNS, but you still need companies to actually run those servers. Yeah. And so when you say like, uh, oh, this is made for very much, uh, you know, for for the people to use, I I would be so surprised if people start running their own (laughs) blockchain node, because first of all, it costs money. Uh, you, you need to pay for electricity, and the price of electricity is not cheap uh, lately. If you have like, a, you need storage. Uh, th- that storage is quite. Uh, I would say you you could do a lot of things with that amount of storage, which is just storing transaction. Um, you, you need bandwidth because you're continuously, you know, sending and receiving messages. So so th- this has a cost. Uh, that we take for granted. And also, with all this uh, talk about the amount of energy that Bitcoin um, takes, it's it's really huge. I mean, those are are very much concerned about... And and it's not really... There is a technical part, but it's very much mixed or entangled with uh, the social aspect of it. So... Why do Web3 is so hyped? It's it's a very good question, but I don't think there is a clear answer. Yeah. I, um, okay. But if you're building application for Web3, right? It's it's querying, it's not having a database, it's using the blockchain as the database to get data from, right? Yes. So then if I upload my image, that image would be added to the blockchain and then the application can look at it? So that's where it gets a little bit tricky and yeah. even, le- even less decentralized. So basically the, the block uh, has a very limited, every transaction has a limited amount of space Yeah. Uh, for, for good reason. Um, so we can take the concept of NFTs and see like, okay, the NFTs is, stands for non-fungible token. Yeah. And it means that basically you cannot um, copy it uh, in, at, to infinity. Let's say you, you have a file and you want to share it. 
you can easily copy it. Yeah. But if you're in a game and you have very rare items, that might be a case for NFTs where you can only you have an owner and you cannot copy it and make more of it. That's basically what it stands for. And so when people talk about those NFTs that cost million, which is actually a JPEG, uh, it, it's very interesting because when you look into the blockchain, it is not the picture; it is the URL that points to the picture. So it's an in, it's indirectly linked to to that. And this is where, <laughs> in this article made by yeah. uh, founder of Signal, it's very well detailed that it, it's not really so secure in that sense. You, you could change the picture under the hood yeah. and actually you would be owner of like a pixel, <laughs> which makes no sense. But the, the idea behind it is more like, okay, pe people can buy a copy of the Mona Lisa. Yeah. For instance. But the original one is at the Louvre in Paris. Yeah. Um, and it's probably highly secured, in, you know, in a, in a vault or something. So, the, what NFT proposes is to use the blockchain to verify ownership of something. Think about uh, birth certificate, de degrees, those yeah. kind of things. You could potentially have, uh, and by the way, every country that has a, an ID card that contains an electronic chip has a private key in it. Yeah. So, so they, they're using this public key infrastructure in a way that... Uh, that allows them to identify something. If you are the owner of the private key, you, you are the owner of what the private key has access to. That, yeah. That's the, the gist of it. Yeah. But in the case of NFT, the concern is really that you're not the owner. You're the owner of the uh, URL. Yeah, that points that, to an image. That points to an image. The <clears> thing <throat> is that you can replace that URL with whatever you want. So that's where, you know, the, the technology is going to evolve and and hopefully provide a more secure way to to prove ownership yeah what what we are saying oh sorry Julian, Audrey. oh uh, yeah so how about we move to the meat like i mean that that was a little bit of theory which is i think is great but let's look at that on a practical perspective so when sure. For instance, Julian, instead of joining the startups he joined, he joins a startup that makes Web 3.0 applications. Yeah. Okay. I I I think your your startup is not in the crypto space, right? Where you just joined. No. No. So imagine Julian changed his mind and he's joining the crypto space StarCraft of what I, I'm 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 using all the words. So, uh, startup and uh, how that will look like architecturally, and what would be the difference. So we still have a front end, and this is what people interact with, or, or mobile app. So it still needs to be a communication with the user, assuming it's a B two C thingy. Then there is a backend to to uh, aftification of the user and all the regular stuff. So nothing changing there. Yeah. And on top of our SQL, no SQL, what have you SQL databases, now we also need to access blockchain. Yes. Yeah. So, and uh, 
I believe there is no HTTP API to go and do something with a blockchain. So it have to be more sophisticated, right? You might, you most probably need to have a copy of blockchain running somewhere, or if you want to do transactions, you most probably will need to have a key that will be signing those transactions, right? You will need to have a node, maybe. So I don't know if not this necessary, but there is this. Works. Yeah, go ahead. It very much depends what's the what do you want to build on top of the blockchain. So, so the, the blockchain is very much the idea that in, once it's out there, it's out there forever, and nobody can tamper with it. And that's basically the only property I see uh, that the block, blockchain provides is immutability. Uh, the, the way they build company, first of all, I, I'm not 100% sure. It's just my guess. Not Don't take it for but it's more like a data engineering problem. So you, you need to extract data, uh, process it, index it, uh, mm. find the right format, um, maybe, you know, do some indirection as well, uh, such as, you know, going to check if the NFT yeah, is uh, is there or not uh, and those kind of things. So, so there, there is a lot of, a lot more data processing uh, that is involved. Yeah, so... Well, such as let's try to just boil down two use cases. The first use case, for instance, I have a website that sells photos of bored Andre mm. as NFT or not, and I need to get paid for the photos of bored Andre. So then, if I would be in a web two space, and I would have something like Stripe integrated the website. And then Stripe can take the payment for me and then send me a money using my bank credential, acting as a middleman. Then uh, if I am accepting payments in uh, any type of coin, then the only thing I do instead of Stripe, I would have a string of characters on the screen on the website. That will be address of my uh, of my wallet, which is basically my public key Right, and then yes. people can en encrypt or sign with that public key a transaction, saying that they sent me a money, and says I have a public key, uh, I have a private key, I can open it. What, 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 okay. Whatever, I can prove that I own this so, through the ownership of the private key. And in this case, there is no middleman because people will be using some service to send that money. Well, the, actually, the service will be on the end, it's not on my end, right? Yeah. It's on their end, they're using some kind of service because most probably still they will be using exchange yeah. for that. Mm -hmm. That's the first use case, right? So for me now it's less engineering when I'm using uh, when I'm using when I'm accepting payments, right? I need to do much less. I don't need to integrate anything. Even I frame from Stripe into my website. But if I am doing transaction myself or like analyzing transactions or like Basically, if I am in possession of the private key that does something, I guess that's a different ball game, right? So it's, oh, yeah. this probably okay. will be a different level of security needed. Yeah, and, and that's the, that's exactly the point of why it's not mainstream is that the user experience is horrible. Like, I mean, it's it's just hard. It's complicated. There there is like so many things that I don't understand. Uh, when trying to do a transaction, 
And I would say that, that that's where the, the space is getting filled with the startup is I saw a company called Infura that provide mm. this uh, API endpoint where you can query the blockchain or at least mm. some blockchain. And right. so they, they index the data for you and you pay for the API calls and what, yeah. you know, it, it's, it's very, it's getting filled. Uh, when it comes to doing your own transaction, it, it's like, because you cannot hack the blockchain, there is tons and tons of people that try to scam you. Because yeah. once you do a transaction, there is nobody to call. There, there is no helpline. There is no yeah. help support. You're, you're done, basically. You, you well, are your own well, 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 not exactly. Well, like, look, all the hacks of the exchanges lately, right? So there is a, yeah, there is no one to call. But what people took, there is a possibility to trace. Yeah, yes. Science, everyone see what you took, right? Yeah. It, it's not like you're running in the bank, grabbing the bags, and you're gone. Still, those banknotes you picked, they still have the numbers, and it's possible to track. But anyhow, here, like the, there was a couple of hacks of the big exchanges where they actually stopped the processing of those money, all of those tokens that left the exchange. So they almost like black marked, and everyone stopped processing those. So they couldn't actually make them out of the blockchain and turn yeah. the value. So there are like grinders and where we can send cryptocurrencies will just split that into smaller transactions and so it's harder to trace, but still. Yeah, I, so, I would say there is also yeah, this uh, concern like with, with exchanges. It, I mean, it's just the, these coins, uh, they are basically numbers in a, in a distributed database that's called the blockchain. That's it. Uh, yeah. But bank do that all day long. It's really it's not backed by anything. It's just numbers somewhere. Um, the the thing that we have to understand is that those you don't own the mo the coins if you leave them on an exchange. Right. So basically, the exchange owns. It's it's exactly the same as putting the money in a bank. The bank has your money, um, and there is law that that protects you, saying hey. You, you put your money there, you own it, even if they keep it. Uh, but when it comes to cryptocurrency, there is none of that. So basically, if a exchange gets hacked and they lose the money, it's like, well, too bad. Second thing is that um, those exchanges are not required to give you the private key. So may, what, the, what the, some, at least what I heard, this is like... Uh, you know, reading an article is not a proof of, of uh, truth or source, but they have what they call dark pool. So they, they have access to those coins and they can use those coins to actually invest into other things. So it, it, they doing, that, that's really why uh, we, we need to be careful about what we do is that we are redoing exactly the same mistakes <laughs> as, the, as the bank did, except yeah. now. <clears throat> there is less protection and no law yes. for the people. Yeah. So, so it's a, it's a very, um, I, and I understand that you, you know people are very excited about it because it shifts the ownership and the power. But you know, you, we have to be careful about you know the, those people coming to power uh, as well because we don't know the intention. Uh, I also heard uh, the opposite. There was a guy selling. Uh, data on uh, on the black market and he got paid in bitcoin 
And uh, actually, he gave them the Bitcoin wallet to his exchange. And the exchange in the US is required to have an ID of the owner of the exchange. Right? Yeah, they, they, they do know your customer. Yeah. And uh, the buyer was a security company. So they just went to the Fed and say, okay. And the thing with blockchain is that it also the transaction is open. So you can always see which account got which money. So they by that, you can see that this address got the money and they just saw that that address belonged to this exchange. And they went to the exchange and exchange, well, this belongs to this user here. Yeah, just don't be a dumb ass and don't be paid in Bitcoin or ask for Monero. <laughs> yeah, if no. you sell it. If, so the, the lesson is if you're selling stolen stuff, don't use an yeah. exchange, right? Use your own. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, 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 <laughs> that's kind of makes sense. That, that's the, the key. Not, not financial so advice. Not no, financial it, advice. No, 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 it's just... <laughs> I see the I see the point. It, it's a it's a very complicated thing, and I think as long as uh, regulation don't intervene, uh, it, it's going to be just a wild west, and mistakes yeah. are going to be made. But like every technology, I mean, let, let let me take an example. It took fifty years for the law to make the seatbelt mandatory. Yeah. It took so long to, to convince people that that was good, it might save their life. So, I mean, just waiting a few years for those uh, cryptocurrency to, you know, get actually le- legalized and, and uh, have regula- regulated. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not, uh, it, it's worth it, maybe, you know, that they better do it right and, and explain and uh, you know, educate people around it rather than yeah. just throw things on the wall, see if it sticks. Um, it, it's it's very much. I mean, it's people' uh, livelihood that we're talking about. And I understand the new people. You know, they cannot afford a house. It's difficult to find job, um, and so they, they see this uh, as a quick escape. Yeah. Right. So. One thing I, I don't really agree about the banks, right? So you put money into the bank and uh, you deposit, you get how many? One percent, right? The exchanges you have a higher risk, but they actually share a little bit of profit. Yeah, no, that's with you yeah. when you're but, staking the coins there. Yeah. But still, Jordan is yeah. right because if if the exchange gets hacked, like Mount Gox was and becoming insolvent, then all your money is gone. So, well, there seems to be ongoing campaign if you if you, if you be, believe media that say that North Korea basically goes from exchange to exchange trying to get as much money as they can from them. And uh, Crypto.com got hacked, I, I think, a week or two ago. They, they forced everyone to, to change their 2FA. Yeah. But they said, like, yeah, there is some money stolen, but we got so much money, so we're just going to give it back to people. You know, the people who get affected, we're going to give them that money because we got so much money we do here in that exchange. So. Yeah, and yeah, I think that one might, of might the, go differently. One of the problems is really the information, like how, how, how to verify something. There is so much scam out there that it's very hard to know if what you're reading on the internet is true. Yeah. And this is where, like, you know, most people who get the credit card stolen are older people, you know, because they don't understand. They, they, it's like too complicated, too much. It, it's a very, 
it's very complicated. And it, one day it's going to be our turn. It, it's going to be so complicated that we don't even understand what we're doing. And if there is not uh, some kind of fail-safe or protection, uh, people are going to lose a lot of money. And this is where, I mean, I'm all for innovation and I think it's great, but I think that we need to be inclusive and include everyone uh, in, into that. And not only like a, a few super smart people that, you know, understand all that stuff. But that's my take on it. Okay, so just going back to the beginning then, because we're kind of uh, soon out of time. A web-free application is like, when you go to it, it behaves like a regular application of web 2. You can interact with it as you can do with web 2. But the content and the data is not stored at the company's servers. It's stored at the common blockchain. And that's verified that actually when you upload data, you still own that data. And if you probably move to another company that also builds on top of the blockchain, your data will travel with you because it's not bound to that company. It's instead bound to the blockchain. Yes, okay. exactly. I think I got it. Yeah. Nice. Amazing. Yeah, and then like with a with a web tool, you have to you know protect your data because this is what people come for. Yeah. When they're trying to hack you. So now you have additional piece of information to protect. That's your private key or keys, if yeah. multiple. But boy, it's not a new problem. We had PKIs for yeah. quite some time because we had to manage those keys, exactly as Julian yeah. said. Yeah. So the the keys are around for quite some time, and many companies have like signing authorities and and so on and so on. Yeah. So just stuff your crypto private keys there. <laughs> Don't call it wallet. <laughs> Just call it a key because this is what it is. Yeah. yeah. Put put where you have put the other as the keys. So you, you put the wallet in your pocket. Don't put your key in there. Like the crypto key, put it into the PKI that you got. Yeah. And uh then it's pretty much business as usual, feels like from the Jeff Jacobs or what what have you, stand stand of point, right? But maybe there is some materials that uh, people could look up and uh, study to make themselves more attract attractive as a practitioners for the companies who might be in need of stuff to work with the problems like that. And Julian, you look like look like you did a little bit of research. Do you have any resources to recommend where people would go and educate themselves regarding those topics? It's very hard uh, because it, it really depends what you want to do with it. But if you're interested in the technical side of blockchain, uh, there is uh, Andrei Antonopoulos. Uh, sorry, I, I will find the name of one of the you know OG of blockchain, where he put out his content for free and it's very educational. And uh, I would say he tried to be as unbiased as possible, but of course. Um, no, nobody really is. I, I, I will put the the link to the his uh, YouTube channel where he he really explained a lot of those concepts. But perhaps it would be beneficial, you know, to start with uh, yeah. basics, you know, cryptography. Yeah. Just learn about the the key cryptography, symmetric keys, asymmetric keys, how they work. Those two gentlemen we mentioned before. Yeah. Diffie and Halban, how how the the key exchange works, yes, and, uh, and stuff like that. that. That will 
pretty much explain you you will have a much better understanding of what blockchain is yeah. when you have understanding of those concepts because it's all based on cryptography and math so if you have understanding of those concepts you have a solid foundation to keep learning because otherwise you will get all that content that diluted for a housewife i'm not trying to offend any housewife here but people trying to come up with some names like wallet which is not a wallet it's a public key but the public key is not really clear for the normal person and uh that's why people coming up with different analogies and call things like that but if if you understand the basics of cryptography you don't really need to go very deep right so you don't need to crack enigma or anything like that uh not alan turing stuff but you just need to understand the basic what the algorithms general idea how they work yeah then you will be able to digest what is it actually is and yeah. not your eyes will be not blurred with those terms that the people coming up with which might sound cool but it's very simple concept in the end so yeah yeah, I would say exactly as as Julian explained NFT, right? It's a URL. You're buy, you're paying for URL. It's not the digital art with uh, some clever signature of ownership. It's a URL hosted by someone, and that someone might be out of the business in five years. What are you gonna do with your URL that you paid so much money for? Yeah, exactly. It's a it's a very. Uh, I mean, there is very interesting innovation happening lately. But I, I would say th- there is one book that I w- if you're into crypto, cryptographic, so it's like how to encrypt things and decrypt things, I can recommend one book. Yeah. And it's called The Code Book, The Secret History of Code and Code Breaking by Simon Singh. Uh, highly, highly recommended. Very entertaining. It goes from everything, uh, from like a pre prehistoric uh, code... <laughs> How, how to encrypt message uh, up down to uh, the RSA encryption algorithm and it teach you how to break it in a very entertaining way. So yeah, I would so say... The, uh, the book will be in a notes of the show on the yeah. DevSecOps FM. And I would suggest um, Computer File. Oh, yes. Sounds funny. Computer File channel. Uh, on a YouTube, and there are university professors who explain different computer-related topics, and they have the whole playlist on encryption, where they, in very easy terms, you don't even have to be a computer person to understand, explain how Diffie-Hellman works, and it's just a great channel. I wish I had the teachers like them in a university. It's just so much fun listening to them. And I think with that, we're out of time and I don't have any data to add to the note but I will add my uh, public uh, key for uh, Bitcoin and uh, you're free to send money to that key if you like if you want to test them and play with it yeah Elon Musk will multiply that by two and send it to charity if you send Bitcoin to what's yours okay thanks for listening stay tuned alright bye bye you have been listening to the DevSecOps podcast with Matthias Andre and Julian. For more podcasts and notes, go to the webpage devsecops.fm. Thanks for tuning in.